Hey guys, this is Drake. Thanks so much for tuning in to our City Church podcast here. It's an honor to have you. Hey, at the end of this episode, we'd love for you to take a moment, subscribe to this podcast channel if you haven't already. Also subscribe to our YouTube channel so we can continue to serve you with content that we're putting out on a weekly basis. And in addition, if we can serve you in any way or connect with you in community in any way, you can visit our website at citychurchboulder.com and we would love to connect with you there. And lastly, and most importantly, I hope this content is helpful to you. It's encouraging, it's inspiring, and you leave better than you showed up. Enjoy. Everybody good to be here? You glad to be here? Awesome. I'm so glad that you're here. Welcome to City Church. My name is Drake. I'm the pastor here. It's an honor to have you gathering with us today. Hey, let's put our hands together for the band leading us this morning and our production team. You guys enjoy some coffee and donuts and bars this morning. Put our hands together for our cafe team serving you well. How about those smiling faces outside saying hello to you? You can put our hands together for all of the servants out there loving on you well. And I don't see any kids running around in the room, so let's put our hands together for all of our city kids, amazing city kids teachers. Hey, it's such an honor to have you gathering with us. We're, we're starting a brand new series today called Teach Us to Pray, and I am excited to go on this journey with you over the next seven weeks. Um, if you were here last week, we ended our series, our summer series through the book of Philippians, and if you were not here, listen, you were missed and want to encourage you to go back, grab the podcast or the YouTube channel, because I feel like it was one of those moments in our church where we asked the big question, what kind of church will we be? And God did some amazing stuff in our gathering gathering last week. And, and listen, if you were here last week, I want to encourage you, whatever God did, I heard all these different stories of what God was doing in people's hearts and minds. Whatever God did in your heart and your mind, I just want to encourage you, don't stop. Don't get distracted. Don't give up. Lean in. We talked about three crucial elements to seeing movement when it comes to following Jesus, specifically good news or gospel movement, seeing God move things forward in our city, in the West, and the world. And those three things were sacrificial commitment, loyal friendship, and generous partnership. Around the world, every time we see a movement, it's connected to people all together with sacrificial commitment, loyal friendship, and generous partnership. And so really excited to invite you today. Fitz already did it. I'm going to do it again. Growth track is right after church, and a, and a great way to step into this family and get committed and, and become a part of what God is doing is taking that first step to growth track. So even if you didn't sign up right after the service, we have room for you. We would love to have you. If you did sign up, you should probably show up because we got food for you, but we got food for all of you if you haven't gone through it. It's a great way to get connected to this family. The second thing is loyal friendship from last week. Loyal friendship. We talked about it. You can go back and listen to it, but Fitz mentioned our city groups. I want to give you this quick update. This is really important. On the 17th of September, we're having our very first city group interest party. Let's go. Let me hear you. How about it? You don't even know what it means. You're like, yeah, let's go. All right, here's the deal. Listen, we are moving as a church away from addition and toward multiplication. What that means is in the past, we started all these groups and we're like, yeah, join a group, join a group, join a group. And so then all of the existing groups just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And over time, what that does is it makes it really hard to connect when you have 20 people in a room. It's really hard to go deep in that space. It's hard to even process what God's doing in our lives, much less create accountability and live on mission together. And so we are leaning into a season 
where we're really focusing on multiplication. We don't want you, if you're not a part of a city group, we don't want you to join an existing one. We want to, we want to help you start a new one. So we've had lots of people over the summer expressed interest in starting new groups. And then the summer has been the fiend of all fiends when it comes to starting new groups. People are busy and all over the place. And so we are throwing a city group interest party September 17th. Right after the service, if you're not in a group and you've signed up for a group and you're interested or you haven't signed up but you are interested, we want to encourage you, mark your calendars right now, stay after service for fancy snacks and drinks, meet a bunch of other people that are interested in going deeper in community and living on mission and practicing the way of Jesus together in Boulder, and from there, we're going to birth some new groups. You guys tracking with me? City group interest party. It's going to be awesome. So lean in. That's going to be a great place to help you get connected if you are not yet in a city group. In addition, if you have a heart for community, if you, so sometimes God does this thing in our hearts where we love what he's doing in our lives so much, we want to share it with others. And so uh, I heard one of my friends, one of my mentors, he said that oftentimes leaders will step out of their comfort zone in order that others can step up and step into new places. And so if you are interested in facilitating a group, if you're interested in helping us start new groups, if you've been a part of a group, but God is doing something in your heart where you're like, man, I want to provide this for other people. I want to create space for other people in this. Then let us know either on that connection card or shoot me an email. We would love to empower you as we start new groups. The desire is that anyone can start a group. And we would love to empower you in that place. So that's number one. So loyal friendships. Number two was generous partnership from last week. And I have the, the privilege of reminding you, letting you know maybe for the first time, that at the end of this month, is it September yet? At the end of next month, September 24th, we have our Serve Sunday. This is an incredible opportunity to, to come together as a church family and serve our city. So listen, I need you to mark your calendars now. It's a Sunday. It's the same time slot that we gather here. And then we're canceling our weekend gatherings to come together and serve the city. So it's awesome. You get to serve alongside other people. We're doing everything from serving local elementary schools and doing some grounds work to, to uh, uh, doing free coffee downtown, free cold brew, that liquid gold that you get to enjoy in the lobby. We're going to share it with the world. You guys having fun yet? I <laughs> I'm just trying to help you a little bit, okay? You need to go get some of that, apparently, and come back, okay? Go grab you a cup, come back, we're going to get there. Uh, uh, we're going to be building uh, bags for all of our faculty and staff of a couple of local schools, as well as our first responders. So it's an incredible day of serving our city, no matter where you find yourself as ca with capacity, like maybe physically or you got kids or whatever, there is a place for you to serve. And what I need you to do is go onto our website, click the button to sign up, and put in your info and sign up to serve in that space. So mark your calendars, 924. We're meeting up here 9 a.m. So I guess it's not the same time slot. It's an extra hour. Meeting here at 9 to go serve our city. And then we come back together to celebrate stories and have lunch together. It's a super cool day. So we do this once a year. We serve the city in a lot, a lot of ways. But this is one way that we uniquely empower our church to come together at the end of the month. So are you marking your calendars? Are you doing it now? You guys got it. Everybody feel good about it? All right, all right, listen, we need you there. And what's really cool about Serve Sunday is 
if you have, you know, friends, coworkers, family members who maybe aren't interested in your church, you know, they're not really going to come to a group or any of those things, you can invite them to join you for Serve Sunday because most people have a little bit of altruism in them where they're willing to simply make a difference, and it's a really cool day to do that. And so it's a great way to invite friends and coworkers and neighbors to come and serve alongside you. It's going to be an incredible day. When you go online, you can get all the details there and send them that link as well. You guys tracking with me? Feel good about it? So last week, sacrificial commitment, loyal friendship, generous partnership. Look at that. We're doing it as a church. Give yourself a hand. Come on. That's exciting. Now, here's a quick update. Last week, I shared with you, let's go to this next slide here. Um, these slides, sorry, I pixelated that one a little bit, from our, one of our partners in Pakistan. His name is Sam. Uh, um, and he sent uh, a bunch of pictures over. We spent some time praying over him, and the churches are being persecuted in that area. Multiple churches have been burned to the ground. Houses have been burned to the ground. People are fleeing for their lives as the persecution continues in that area. And so we are working with Sam to provide relief to our brothers and sisters in that area and care. And at the same time, they're serving their enemies. So I want you to meet Sam. This is Sam, this next slide here. Sam is on the ground. He's an incredible team member, a partner that we have around the world, and we have the privilege of partnering with him and many others to see God's love made known around the world. Now, what's amazing is we made the need known last week, and I I need you to know this. Listen, when you give here at City Church, Fitz said it earlier, you're not just giving to a church, you're giving through a church. So since day one, since it was just my family and I giving to City Church, 10% of everything that has ever come into City Church goes right back out to the West and the world, to church planning and missions around the world. So this shirt right here is from our partners at the Grey Goose in Thailand. They got me a shirt, but not everybody else. How sad, right? But you can, I know, I know, but I wore it today so you can see. So our friends from Thailand, they were here a few weeks ago. We're working with them. We have partners all around the world. And so that 10% goes to church plants in Denver and in Chicago and all over the world, including Sam. And Sam is one of my heroes. But he sent me these pictures today because, or this week because last week we invited our church to say, hey, on top of what we already do to partner with Sam on the ground, let's see if we can meet some needs. And so we just invited people to give directly to helping Sam. And since last Sunday, our church has sent Sam and his team $2,600. Can you put your hands together for the generosity of this family? It's amazing. It's amazing. I, I sent it to our board and our staff team, and they're like, well, Look at God answering those prayers. That's amazing. So Sam sent me these pictures as as well as many others of them serving teams. Uh, You you can see things are, are, man, just crazy. They're carrying cases of water. Uh, They're doing tons of food for those that don't have it. And he sent me so many more. He sent me a team, uh, a picture of Sam's team. They're in this building that's burned to the ground. They've got blankets on the ground. and And his team is sleeping on blankets on the ground outside as they serve these areas. And so I just want to say thank you for your radical generosity. Because of your generosity, because of the generosity of this family, we're able to partner with Sam in continuing to make a difference. And they're doing amazing things. It's not just serving food. They're sharing the good news, and they're partnering, helping them get clothes and housing, all the things that they need to recover from what's happening there. But I just want to say thank you. So can we give God a hand for how he allows us to be a part of what he's doing around the world? It's amazing. It's amazing. Now, Let's go back to uh, this series. We're kicking off a brand new series today called Teach Us to Pray. And I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I think it's, it's going to be, 
There's a tension in this conversation, but I think it's going to be massively helpful. I think it's an intentional space that God is inviting us into as a church family. And listen, no matter where you are on your spiritual journey, you are loved, safe, and welcome here. And our desire is to simply help you take a next step in your spiritual journey. Our mission here is to help people find their way to God from where they are. And we do that by practicing the way of Jesus together in Boulder. And one of the primary practices of apprenticing under Jesus is the practice of prayer. And prayer is an interesting thing, right? There's like a tension in it because we, we say here a lot that prayer is our first response, not our Last resort, right? Like you're, you're just totally indoctrinated now. You're welcome. And, and, and prayer is all over the world, right? Prayer is not e- even unique to, to following Jesus. We see prayer in all kinds of different contexts all over the world. When I was in India last year, you hear the bells go or the, the, the speakers go off for prayer a couple times a day for those that were uh, um, um, Muslim. And, and you have prayer all over the world. And, and listen, you are just sitting in the room today. You might not know this. You are simply a sociological anomaly for being in the room today. As, as, as like church attendance and religion overall like declines in the West, you being in the room is amazing. Can I just, can we just give ourselves a hand for showing up today? I mean, that is amazing. Well, to, well way, way to go. Now, now while, while Christianity in particular seems to be declining in the West, prayer doesn't seem to be going anywhere. Isn't that interesting? Gallup did a survey not long ago, and, and here was the findings of their survey. This week, from Gallup's survey, more Americans will pray. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. More, more Americans will pray than exercise, drive a car, have sex, or go to work. How about that? There you go. Nine out of ten Americans say that they pray regularly. Three out of four Americans say that they pray daily. And that's just, that's just here in the West, not, not, not even talking about all of the world. And, you know, what's interesting is depending on, you know, the, your relationships with those around you who are, you know, maybe spiritually interested or disconnected from a relationship with God, your friends might not want anything to do with your church or your Jesus, but if you extend an offer to pray for them, they're probably open to that. Isn't that interesting? Prayer, prayer is uniquely popular in, in one sense of the word, but it's also really difficult. You ever feel, you feel that tension? Like, like, it's like, it's available, and in a crisis, we lean into it, but, but as far as a practice, it's like, oh, I don't know if I'm doing it right, or am I doing it enough, or, and, and right, you, prayer's unique that even in a desperate moment, like, even if we don't believe in God, or, or, or we're mad at God, even in a desperate moment, an atheist might bow their head in a hospital room and utter a prayer under their breath to a God they don't even believe in. Prayer's interesting, isn't it? But when we step back from prayer, this concept that we're talking about, I I feel like there's also a thousand questions that come alongside it, outside of the urgent, outside of the world's falling apart moments for us. And some of the questions that go on in my mind, and maybe they're in yours as well, is, is do my prayers matter to God? Do they work? Am I talking to the ceiling? Is this, you know, the placebo effect for me? Or are they actually making a difference? A couple of years ago, I was, I was, uh, I don't know, 19, 20 years old. I was on staff at a church brand new. Actually, I don't even know. I think I might have been the janitor at this point. <laughs> Just a volunteer and a janitor cleaning toilets. And I get a phone call from our pastor. Hey, I need you to go to the hospital with Mr. Fred. Mr. Fred was one of our uh, deacons, coolest old guy ever. And I need you to go to the hospital with, with Fred. Okay. 
and I don't, I don't know what's going on. I get to the hospital, and one of the families in our church is there, and this little boy named Eric is laying on a hospital bed covered in packs of ice, unresponsive, with a thousand machines connected to him, and he's under nine years old. I don't remember how old he was at the time. Um, his, his family's in the room. His mom is weeping, and they're doing everything they can to bring his body temperature back down. Some kind of virus is attacking his body and his brain, I need you to go see that family and go pray for them. 18, 19, uh, 19 years old. I've been, I've been following Jesus for just a few years at this point, three or four years, and I love Jesus. I, I, I've seen him do amazing things in my life and the life of others, and in this moment, I'm, I'm faced with maybe the first crisis in another family's life that I've ever been close to. No instructions, no training, no one tell you know, I don't, I don't know. You show up, and, and what do you do? And I, and I pray. And I remember hitting my knees in this hospital room with a bunch of other people around. I have no idea what they believe or why they're there. And I just began to weep over this little boy, asking God to save his life and to heal him, watching his mom and his dad cry without any control over the situation. And I, for what felt like an eternity, I'm sure it was just like 30 seconds, I'm on my knees in this, in this hospital room praying for this little boy. And I stand up with tears coming down my cheeks and I, I hug the family and we stand there for a little bit because there's nothing you can say and nothing happens and me and Fred leave. And later that week, the doctors give us a phone call and they had to unplug the machines and Eric didn't make it. And I, and I remember looking in this moment, and I'm like, okay, God, wh- like, where are you? If, if you're God, if you're great, like, you can do this, and if you're good, why wouldn't you? I mean, I, mean I, I can't imagine any reason on the planet why God wouldn't answer that prayer. A couple of years ago, I get another phone call. One of our dear friends, uh, Lisa, she was here a couple of weeks ago during the summer to share with you. And they say, hey, we're rushing to the hospital right now. Harley, our, our little girl, is having heart failure. And in the middle of a bunch of other things going crazy, this little healthy, normal girl is having heart failure in a moment, and they're rushing to the hospital to save her life, and everything looks like, like she's not going to make it. And we begin to beg God, and we begin to pray again, and we tell everyone we know to start praying. And over the course of weeks and months, Roadblock after roadblock, machines are keeping her alive. They got a heart. They didn't get a heart. This one's not going to work out over and over again. It's like, man, is God going to answer this prayer or not? And Lisa shared a couple of weeks ago while she was here that Riley is alive and well today through the miraculous provision of God. And the doctors would tell you the same thing, that she survived when it did not look like she should have survived. And, and I look at those two stories and I ask the question, why would God answer the prayers in one space when, when the doctors and others are clearly attributing the circumstances to the miraculous, which is a big deal, doesn't make any sense, and then not answer the prayer on the other side? You see, I don't know your experience in following Jesus or where you are on your spiritual journey, but it feels like for every answered prayer, every miraculous moment that I cannot believe how God came through, 
and it blows my mind and is clearly an answered prayer from God for every one of those, I've got another one that goes unanswered and no answer and no excuse for why God didn't answer it. For every demonstration of God's power and the miraculous and seeing someone healed or set free or saved, you name it, I have another area that seems like that, that relationship, that, that friend of mine, they, their circumstance goes untouched. You guys feel that? We're going to walk through all of this and more as a family over the next couple of weeks. Today I have to do some very simple groundwork. And listen, I, I know as I, as I share those stories, it probably you've got stories that relate. And I want you to know, man, we love you and we're for you. And we, we hear, like, like Fitz mentioned it earlier, we have teams in the back during the second set that are here to pray alongside you. So however we can serve you in that, man, we're here for you. But my goal is to wrestle, wrestle through these tensions over the next couple of weeks so that God can continue to form us into people, into a people of prayer. So here's one of the questions that I have. If prayer is so popular in one sense of the word, then why don't we pray? <laughs> I mean, outside of you know, things falling apart, why don't we pray? Dallas Willard was asked that same question and he said, we don't pray because we don't believe it works. We might not say that out loud, but one of the reasons that we don't pray is we don't believe it works. Let me show you. Philippians 4, we were here just a few weeks ago. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Let your requests be made known to God. There it is. And the peace of God, here's the promise, the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. There's like, I don't know, sometimes when you read the Bible, it feels like it's like elusive and hard to get your hands on. How do I apply this? Not this passage. How do I pray? Literally, it's, it's, it's an extension for you and I to swap our anxieties for God's peace. Ah, oh, what do I do? Don't be anxious. Pray about everything and God will exchange it for his peace. There it is, black and white. But you know what's interesting? I talk to way more Christians who are anxious than full of peace, including myself, right? It's kind of the observation as a pastor having spiritual conversations constantly is more people are filled with anxiety than the peace of God. Why is that? It might be because we don't believe it works. I tried it, or maybe we tried and it didn't work. Or maybe, it might not be that you don't believe it works. Maybe it's just that you're busy. You got a job and you got an iPhone in your pocket um, and, and you've got all these different things vying for your attention and you're busy and you're distracted and so there's just not time and margin for you to pray intentionally. Or, or maybe the fear is that prayer represents dependence for you, right? That normally when people are praying, it represents a scenario that, that, that is out of their control. And so then the rest of, the, of life, like when we feel like we're in control, then we don't need to pray. And so I'm not gonna pray because I've got it. Or, or maybe Prayer for you is a risk of silence. Like it's terrifying to think what's on the other side of that ask. Like what's actually there between me and God when we get quiet? Or what if he doesn't answer? Or maybe you, you just have this kind of intimidation and fear like what if I do it wrong? Like, like, like I, I don't know how to really pray. Like what does it even look like? And, and listen, just to give you some encouragement, I don't, I don't, if there is a wrong way to do it, I've done it, Okay. Uh, when I was, well, before I started following Jesus, I, 
I believed, you know, like, I don't know, there's probably a God somewhere out there and be a good person and, you know, all that stuff. And I can remember a season in my life when um, I was chasing a girl in high school and I was trying to really make that relationship work. And so every night I started praying for this relationship to work. And I would say the same prayer. And I know God massively cares about what I'm trying to, like, my motives were pure. I had no ill motives. I mean, it was a, I mean, I was clearly a godly man. Anyway, so I'm praying, God, please let her say yes to me tomorrow. I, mean, I kid you not, right? Whatever it was, the most petty prayers you can think of, I'm praying them. But here's what's awesome, is I wasn't sure how the prayer thing worked. Right? I didn't go to church. I didn't really, I didn't do this thing, right? And so I wasn't really sure seeing, you know, Home Alone movies here and there, someone sitting in the pew, whatever. I've got like a couple of ideas of prayer. So here's what I did. Just in case one version was better than the other, I tried them all. So each night before bed, close the door, and, and, and I'm in my room, and I would say my prayers. And, and I had a couple different ones. I'd be on my knees at the side of my bed. God, please let her say yes to me. And then I would, I would, I would open my eyes, because I didn't know if my eyes needed to be open or not when I'm talking to God. And so then I would open my eyes, and I'd say the same prayer. And then I would lay on my back in my bed. God, please let her say yes to me. And then I would lay on my stomach, because, uh, you know, I didn't know if... If, if the downward posture mattered out of humility, God, please, let her. So, so each night for, for many, many days, maybe weeks, it's embarrassing, but you can benefit from my story. I would pray in a couple different postures over and over again, just one of these has got to work, God. And it didn't. <laughs> uh, but that's another story for another day. I say all of that to say, oh, what if I do it wrong? And you know what's interesting is, is if you open the Psalms, like the Bible's in front of you and the seatback's in front of you, those are a gift to you. The Psalms right in the middle of, of, the, of your Bible, you look at your table of contents, it's like a book of prayers. And what I love about the Psalms is it's kind of an example for you and I to learn how to pray. And so you've got this guy that God called a man after his own heart. God said, I'm looking for someone after my heart. That's David. And so you have this guy named David who writes Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want, right? You ever, you, would, you, would you love to have a prayer life like that? Like just this really eloquent, like fully in line theologically, yeah. Well, guess what? The same dude that wrote the Lord is my shepherd also wrote, God, I pray that you drop burning coals of fire on their head and they die a miserable death, right? Like literally, Psalm 140, go read it for yourself. That's David's prayer. You're like, hmm, that's interesting. A guy after God's own heart is praying prayers that don't exactly seem in line with his character. You say, why in the world would that be included in your Bible? Smash their babies against the rocks. Are you kidding me? What's wrong with this guy? That's the guy after God's heart? I'm looking pretty good right now. The Lord is my shepherd. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. All of, right, all the, what's the deal? Why, why would those be included in the scriptures in front of you? Because they're honest. They're honest. Not theologically accurate all the time from David. They're honest. And that's what God is inviting you and I to. I heard Tyler Statton say it this week. He said that God is not grading our prayers like a grumpy teacher He's a father listening to his children. So listen, I don't know your relationship with prayer. But the invitation today 
is to change the way that we think because it informs how we pray. Now, Philippians 4, let's go back there for just a second. I, I didn't include this context, but it, you can go back yeah, to the slide you were just at. Verse 5 gives us the context to Paul's command on how to pray. The Lord is near. The Lord is near. You see, Philippians 4 doesn't begin with need, which is where a lot of us start. It begins with promise. And the lie that is constantly attacking your mind and your heart and mine is that God is not near and he does not care. Paul starts the command, the invitation to pray with the promise, the Lord is near. And you and I have to decide what's on the other side, who is on the other side of dear God. In your mind and in your heart, when you begin to utter a prayer, who is on the other side of that prayer? Because the lie is that God is not near and he does not care. But Jesus and the New Testament authors massively disagree. Let me show you in Luke 11. This is the formational text for this series. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. And Jesus' response You can go back. When you pray, say, Father. When you pray, say, Father. Matthew has his recording of this moment, and he, and he captures Jesus' words like this. Pray like this, our Father. In a request, Lord, teach us to pray, Jesus responds by praying. And he gives us a picture into the heart of prayer, and it starts with this incredible word that would have made his first century audience gasp and with disbelief. When you pray, say, Father. When you begin to form a prayer, dear God, who is on the other side of that prayer? If someone were to ask you, what is the most important thing about you? If someone were to ask you that question, what is the most important thing about you, Will Johnson? What is the most important thing about you, Charlie? What is the most important thing about you? You can go to the next slide. If someone were to ask you that question, how, how would you answer the most important thing about you? How would you answer that question? Tozer says it this way. What comes into our mind when we think about God is the most important thing about us. What comes into your mind when you think about God is the most important thing about you. Why? Because it informs 
everything else. Let me ask it a different way. What about the most important discovery? If someone were to ask you the question, man, what's the most important discovery you could ever make? How would you answer that? Like, oh man, finding out why you exist and what you're made for and what you're here to do. Like, how would you start to fill in? And the most important discovery you can ever make with your life, what is that? Here's how Pete Gregg says it. The most important discovery you will ever make is the love the Father has for you. The most important discovery you will ever make is the love the Father has for you. Your power in prayer will flow from the certainty that the one who made you actually likes you. He is not scowling at you. He is on your side. On the other side of dear God who is sitting there listening to your prayers because it might be the most important thing about you. And I believe that today's conversation is massively important for the rest of what God wants to do in these series. Now today, if I can give you a two-part theology, a two-part way of thinking, it's birthed out of an incredibly deep, really dense, kind of hard to wrap your mind around prayer that I'm gonna simplify for you. But I'm gonna give you the prayer and then I'm gonna give you the simple theology and my hope is that this will help you and how you think about your relationship with God, and then inform how you pray. Now again, it's really dense, okay? So just hang out with me for just a second. Here's the prayer. God is great, God is good, let us thank him for our food. Okay, now I know it's a lot, but let me unpack it for you for a minute. First of all, it doesn't rhyme, so that dude needs to be fired, but other than that, This theology that you might or might not have learned around the dinner table might be the most important theology you can wrap your head and your heart around. God is great. God is good. You see, if God is not great, then our prayers are kind of meaningless. If he he doesn't have the ability to intervene, first of all, he's probably not even God by definition. But if he's not great, then why ask him? to save Riley? Why ask him to save Eric? Why ask him to provide for you? Why ask him to help you in your marriage? Why ask him to help you understand your life and your career? Why ask him for anything if he's not great and he can't do it? The God that Jesus introduces is great. He's the God that breathes the stars into existence, knows the hairs on your head, and resurrects the dead helps the blind man see, the lame walk, miraculous. He's great. But if he's just great, it leaves us in this space of not knowing how he feels about us, right? Like we might have equal part, like let's request an equal part, we should be terrified. And most of the world relates to a God, if they have any kind of theology at all, is that, okay, if there is a God, he's great, but that's about all that you can know. The God of Jesus, the the God that Jesus introduces is not just a God that is great, but he's good. And the best demonstration of that goodness is in and through the person and the work of Jesus on our behalf. The loudest demonstration of that goodness 
is God's love demonstrated through Jesus for you and I. You see, if we don't think that God is both of these things, God is great and God is good, then we won't pray. Or we won't pray in the way that we're invited to. You see, it's way easier to trust in ourselves and rely on ourselves than pray to a God that does not meet these requirements. The good news is, this is exactly the God that Jesus introduces. So when he teaches us to pray, he says, start with Father. Father. Now, that might be challenging for you if you don't have a good relationship with your earthly father, if you have an absent father. All of us, even if we have great fathers, still have broken relationships with our parents and they weren't perfect. And so it's really important to listen to Jesus in the concept of what we're talking about. But for today, the concept of a God who loves you and likes you is where we're starting. And it's made a way to not only have a relationship with you, but he's leaning in with a desire to hear from you. Now, for our big idea today, prayer is more practice than theory. Tyler Statton wrote a book called Praying Like Monks and Living Like Fools. I highly recommend it. And he says that prayer is more practice than theory. We can talk about what we believe about prayer all day long, but until you start to do it, it will not form you. And so this teaching series won't do any of us any good unless we do something with it. We talk a lot about spiritual formation, not only as what's happening up here, but then what's happening in our hearts and with our hands. That it's practice, community, and teaching with the power of the Holy Spirit that forms us into who Jesus is creating us to be. And so in the same way that when you go to a restaurant and you have an amazing experience and you go back and tell your friends, while you can talk it up, you can do your very best to be eloquent to describe the most amazing dish you've ever had until your friends go and taste it for themselves. They have lacked the discovery. You see, discovery requires experience. It's not enough to know that Jesus invites us to pray. It's not enough to know that God is great and God is good. We have to taste it. The invitation is to taste and see. You see, if, if you come with me, we'll go to brunch today at the buff. And I will describe in eloquence to you their incredible chicken and French toast sandwich, dusted beautifully with powdered sugar and genuine maple syrup that is too big to fit in one hand and too messy without a bib. You have to get both hands around it and just smash it. Just, just go for it and embrace the mess, dripping and oozing from maple syrup and fried chicken and French toast on both sides with powdered sugar in your mustache. And I am telling you, it is the best experience alongside a dollar mimosa that you can have on a Sunday afternoon. But until you discover it for yourself, you'll never know. You will never know the love the Father has for you until you lean in and taste it for yourself. And so today is an invitation on a journey into extraordinary prayer as a church family. Today is an invitation on a journey into extraordinary prayer as a church family. Now, this is important. Whatever your prayer life looks like today, whatever is ordinary today, you can go to the next slide. Whatever, whatever prayer looks like for you. So 
Maybe you pray 30 minutes a day and you're an hour a day. Maybe you're an amazing prayer and you've got an amazing prayer life and you and God are like this and French toast has got nothing on him. I mean, if that's where you are, that's awesome. Or maybe you're like me when I started following Jesus and you're like, man, this prayer thing is hard and I'm really distracted. I'm a little ADD and I'll pray for a minute and then I start thinking about other things and I, I really struggle in this prayer. Ah, I prayed for 30 seconds today. Well done. <laughs> Wherever ordinary is, the invitation is to step into extra ordinary prayer. So whatever prayer looks like for you today, the invitation this week is a little more is going to be extraordinary. You guys tracking with me? That's extraordinary prayer. A little more than what you did yesterday is extraordinary prayer. So listen, friends, if you can't pray for an hour, don't start there. Don't make it your goal this week. I'm doing it because you won't. Pray for a minute. If you zone out when you pray, then pray while you walk. If you can't pray adoration, then pray your complaints. If you can't pray out loud, then pray on pen and paper. If you can't pray in hope and faith, then pray your doubts and your fears and your insecurities. Wherever you are, it's an invitation into extraordinary prayer. Start where you are and do a little more. Take your commute home. And instead of listening to NPR or the radio or whatever else or a podcast, put on some instrumental music and talk to God. Or get here early on a Sunday when we gather as a team at 945 and pray together and see how praying for 15 minutes before a gathering changes what God does in and through you when we gather. Or maybe it's just speaking a sentence or two to God on your lunch break. Wherever you are, pray there. Start there. Extraordinary prayer is the invitation on this journey, and each week will introduce you, introduce you to an opportunity to grow a little more in the muscle, the practice of prayer. But remember, it's practice more than theory. And somewhere in the process, friends, this is so important. I'm going to invite Daniel to come. Somewhere in the process of stepping into extraordinary prayer, you will discover God's love for you. You will taste it and you will see it. And while it is most evident in the person and work of Jesus, this is an invitation to taste and see. So a couple of next steps for you. Number one, what does extraordinary prayer look like for you this week? God is great. God is good. Thank you for this food. <laughs> Maybe that's it. Maybe that's, that's your new rhythm. You can impress all your friends with your massive theology. Well done. Maybe that's it. Maybe it's a simple prayer at lunchtime. Maybe it's one minute. Maybe it's, it's many of the things I recommended. Whatever it is for you, what is your next step this week in getting to know the love of God and talking to the God who loves you? Number two, who you share your goal with. You see, practice like any habit in our life when it comes to spiritual formation, they have a really hard time getting off of the ground without appropriate accountability. James Clear in his book, Atomic Habits, talks about habit stacking. 
Sometimes we're trying to carve out time in our day for a new habit, and it's really hard because of all the other competing things. But what if you looked at your life this week and you found something you already do that's routine? Brush my teeth every day. Take a shower every day. <laughs> You're wondering, weren't you? You're like, hmm. What, what is it? What do, what do you already have habits to do? Go to the gym, take a lunch break, coffee? What is it? And he, he says one of the best ways to implement a new habit into our life is to stack it all on top of something we already do. So hey, instead of mindlessly taking a shower, I'm going to pray while I shower. I'm going to take 30 seconds while I brush my teeth and I'm going to talk to God about my day. Whatever it is that might be for you. So, so what does extraordinary prayer look like for you this week and who are you going to share it with? That's key. I, 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 most of our groups are on a few week break until they start back on the 11th of September but you still have those people that you might shoot a text and say, hey, here's what I feel like God is inviting me into. Here's what I'm going to do this week. I want you to know so you can hold me accountable and then celebrate it in seven days. Here's the last thing. Let's practice. If prayer is more practice than theory, then let's practice. You guys ready? I'm going to put a prayer by Ted Loader on the screen. And I'm going to invite you to pray this alongside me. We're going to do it slow. You can pray it in your heart and mind, but I just want to invite you right now to kind of get your heart and mind ready. Maybe it's sitting up in your chair. Maybe it's flipping those palms up in, in your lap, just kind of in an openness. Maybe, maybe you need to remove distraction and close your eyes and listen intently to this prayer. Whatever it is, I want you to pray along with me this prayer by Ted Loader. And then we're going to respond in a couple of different ways. Holy One, there's something I wanted to tell you, but there have been errands to run, bills to pay, arrangements to make, meetings to attend, friends to entertain, washing to do. And I forget what it is I wanted to say to you. And mostly I forget what I'm about or why. Oh God, don't forget me, please, for the sake of Jesus Christ. Eternal One, there's something I wanted to tell you. But my mind races with worrying and watching, with weighing and planning, with rutted slights and pothole grievances with leaky dreams and leaky plumbing and leaky relationships that I keep trying to plug up and my attention is preoccupied with loneliness, with doubt, and with things I covet and I forget what it is I want to say to you and how to say it honestly or how to do much of anything. Oh God, don't forget me, please, for the sake of Jesus Christ. Almighty One, there's something I wanted to ask you, but I stumble along the edge of a nameless rage, haunted by a hundred floating fears of war, of losing my job, of failing, of getting sick and old, having loved ones die, of dying, 
And I forget what is the real question I wanted to ask. And I forget to listen anyway because you seem unreal and far away. And I forget what it is that I've forgotten. Oh God, don't forget me, please, for the sake of Jesus Christ. Oh Father in heaven, perhaps you've already heard what I wanted to tell you. What I wanted to ask in my blundering way is don't give up on me. Don't become too sad about me, but laugh with me and try again with me and I will with you too. Oh, Father in heaven, perhaps you've already heard what I wanted to tell you. What I wanted to ask is forgive me, heal me, Increase my courage, please. Renew in me a little of love and faith and a sense of confidence and a vision of what it might mean to live as though you were real. And I mattered. And everyone was sister and brother. What I wanted to ask for is peace enough to want and work for more for joy enough to share, and for awareness that is keen enough to sense your presence here, now, there, then, always. Amen. Let's take a moment with our heads bowed, hearts and minds open. God, thank you. Thank you that you are good and great and for the invitation to know you as Father. Thank you for all that who have put their faith in Jesus. You've given us the right to become children of God. And we can relate to you as Father. For any of my friends in the room who do not know you as Father, maybe for the first time today, maybe through that prayer, through the process. They would say yes to you today. To receive your gift of salvation, to be adopted into the family of God and to know you as Father. To celebrate through baptism externally to begin a relationship with you. For those of us in the room that are followers of you, would you make it clear what our next steps might be this week? The invitation into extraordinary prayer. Would we have the boldness and the courage and the accountability to take that step? And would we come to know the love that the Father has for us? 
And would we remember each day the love that you have for us? And would it change how we talk to you? And how often we talk to you? And what we talk to you about? And would you call us all as a family into this journey together that we might become a people of prayer who know you deeply, who hear your voice clearly, and see you working in and through us as we partner with you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.